to the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of Public Perspective. I'm Moshe Vistritsky. I'm Ari Richmond. We are ready to go. We're going to get right into it. Everybody stay home, stay safe, help us find the curve, enjoy the show. So I just wanted to start with the, the, the news about Andy Dalton. So nine years with the Bengals, finally released. It's not shocking news after he's the first overall pick on Joe Burrow. Um, the Red Rifle trying to find a new home now. So... Uh, a lot of rumors swirling Dullin and the pa- the Patriots and Belichick. So I just wanted to know uh, what you felt about those rumors. Um, so in terms of the Patriots quarterback situation, um, they like Garrett Stidham reportedly, but I could see them bringing in Dalton. You know, maybe maybe Stidham may not be uh ready to start on uh, week one. So bringing in Dalton, I could see them doing that to help out their quarterback room uh don't love it for Cincy though I think um he still could have been a good mentor for Burrow to begin with to start off his career right I definitely hear that um uh but honestly I think for the cap space it might not have been the the best thing to hold on to him because I mean we know Ryan Finley's not he's not a usable NFL quarterback um and hopefully Burrow doesn't get injured but I mean, it's Burrow's shown us that every time he takes a hard hit, he just gets up be- even better. So I think that the injury issues really aren't a problem, and uh, hopefully Finley doesn't have to play. But uh, from a standpoint of of helping helping him men- mentor him, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see that. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so I just want to move on to the NFL draft. I mean, first time with the with the virtual draft. I think it went amazingly well. I think a lot of people were expecting to see some technical issues or ESPN to just shut it down and then tell us to wait for we'll be back in a moment kind of thing. But honestly, that never happened. And big props to the NFL and ESPN from, from me. Yeah, it was really definitely the most unique draft we've, we've ever seen. Obviously, the, the players at home and everything from Goodell to the coaches to the players and their families – it was it was really cool to get a look inside these guys' lives, the the coaches and GMs, and you know the, the raw reactions from players after they get drafted. I think is really cool with their families and everything to see their action right away. Usually, you know they're in the green room in the beginning, so you can't you can't see what you can't see what their reaction right away is. But now, I think going forward, the NFL may lessen the players they invite to the draft, whoever the site is and have more more guys at home and set up cameras there and people actually like this liked it a lot more. Um yeah, I think I think for for sure it's really cool to see the raw reaction and to just to know that that these players have lives um uh on and off the field and to see them with their families in one of the biggest moments of their lives definitely a really cool thing to to see. Um so we're going to move into the 
superlatives. We have NFL draft superlatives for you guys. So we'll start with our favorite value picks. So uh, why don't you get us started, Richie? Uh, not to be a homer here to start off, but I'm going to go with my Giants. Uh, I loved what we did in the first pick of the second round, our first pick of the second round. Uh, number 36, we took Xavier McKinney, uh, safety from Alabama. Uh, this guy is a top 20 prospect. He was the best safety in the draft, bar none. He really can do it all. He he played both aspects of being a safety. He could, he could blitz and rush the quarterback, and he could drop back in coverage, which he's, he's very good at. Uh, getting him at 36, I just I really, really liked Mel Kuyper. He calls him a future pro bowler and comes from Bama. We know what uh, Nick Saban and, and those guys there, we know they produce really, really good NFL players. Uh, for a guy that I did not think would, fall, would ever fall out of, out of the first round, getting him at 36, I really liked. Yeah, I think that that really the safety position is really getting devalued in the NFL. But for McKinney, a guy who plays all over the field, not just way in the backfield, um, rolling for interceptions, I think that this is a great pick. I think he's a do-it-all player. And, and to get him at 36, that's just amazing value. So right. across and the Giants. Also, uh, sorry, I cut you off there. But also last year we had a washed-up Anton C., uh, in our, as, a, as a starting safety, he's older. To go young and get a rookie McKinney as a bright future is going to be really good for this Giants team coming forward. And just another thing, I, in New York, right, or same city, the, the Jets, they have possibly the best safety in football in Jamal Adams, and you kind of envy that. So we get our guy, Andrew McKinney. Not saying he's going to be as good, but I I think it's good for the Giants and good for our organization and our defense. Yeah, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here. Uh, I'm going to go with Zach Bond. Uh, to go number 74, I mean, I don't know how he managed to fall that far. And honestly, I don't even know if I could give the Saints so much credit for that because he just fell into their last. He's a big need. And the guy just a do-it-all linebacker. He's he's a staff filler. He can rush the quarterback. He's a tackling machine. I just think that I, I can't – I honestly, I can't believe he fell this far. A lot of people had him late first round. Um I know we had him late first round. We might have had him a little bit high, but definitely top 40 consensus around everyone in the league. And to fall to 74, I mean, that just fell right into the same spot. The Saints are just out here amassing talent. They, they are such a talented roster. Um, so talk about uh, our mock draft. I'm going to go with uh, Christian Fulton to the Titans. We had a mock to Tennessee, so we got the team right uh, at 10, 29, but – he actually had a 61, their second-round pick. So I think that's really amazing value. I like the fit there. They had a need at corner. Uh, Logan Ryan uh, getting let go, and he's he's not coming back there. So I think Christian Fulton can fill that void. He's not a guy that is going to get a lot of interceptions, but they have Kevin Byard, who is really, he's led league interceptions a year back, I believe. So I think uh, Fulton coming in there at good value at 61, I think is more is a lot big a big, big steal for Tennessee, and I like what they did there. Yeah, I think definitely a very talented corner, and and with Logan Ryan, still no offers on the table for him. So, I mean, Titans fans don't give up yet because this guy might just come back at a lower price and everything will work out beautifully in the secondary for them. And a team that made it all the way to the AFC Championship, honestly, I wouldn't be as surprised as last year if they went and did it again. Um, and then I guess the only offensive player – with well, with uh, these value picks, I'm going to go with Josh Jones at 72. I think that for a team that a lot of people wanted to draft a tackle, uh, one of those top four tackles at the eighth pick, for him to go to the Cardinals at 72, I, I saw a thing, Cliff Kingsbury's reaction was was like amazing. He he basically said, 
I wonder if the guy killed anybody and I just never heard of it because I can't, I don't understand how he possibly fell as far. And maybe there is something we don't know about that some team 31 out of 32 teams found out, but I, I just don't see that being the case. I think that he's a great offensive tackle and someone we had in our top 15. And I mean, honestly, just like the Saints, Colonel is just lucky that he fell as far. Cliff Kingsbury's house, though, speaking of him. Oh, yeah. Wow. What I was going like that. That that could have been uh maybe the most trending topic of the NFL draft. Um, so moving on from value picks, we'll go uh into a reach. Um, I think we can agree on this one. Damon Arnett going nineteen to the Las Vegas Raiders. Just just lay it on, lay it on Las Vegas, Moja. No, yo, honestly, I don't even know anymore. He's a short corner. He's six foot one ninety four. He's a small corner. He's slow. He ran a four five six. I mean. A guy that most people had around the 100th overall player, you take him at 19 with so many corners still available that we just spoke about, guys that we love, a guy that, a short corner, he, he, and he's 24 years old, and we know that corners just, they don't last that long. They start falling off. We saw Xavier Rhodes now just last year. All of a sudden, he hit 29, and boom, just falls off a cliff. And I think that to pick a 24-year-old corner who ran a 4-5-6 at the combine, I just, I just don't understand what what was happening here. Yeah, he wasn't the top corner in many people's eyes. I I had four corners that went after him: better Jeff Gladney, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, and Christian Fulton, as we talked about before. But I mean, it's a reach. But uh, people said Cleveland Farrell was a reach at four last year for the Raiders, and he's working out pretty fine. So I mean, Mike Mayock and and John Gruden, they obviously have a plan. This may be a reach in our eyes, but they could shock us all, and Damon Arnett could be a really good player. No, I guess the one thing I would give to them is that they love those big program guys and they got one in our net. So the one positive that I could see coming out of this is that he'll be a great locker room guy. I'm not saying he's going to be the worst corner in the world. I just I, – also, they're expecting him to come in and play the number one corner role. So right. I, I just don't see him being able to fill that role. Uh, exactly. All right, let's get some positivity. Um, I'm going to stay on the defensive side again with Kenneth Murray. I think for the Chargers, the team that they feel got their franchise quarterback with the sixth overall pick, to trade back into the first round, to grab Kenneth Murray and just really solidify in a defense that has such amazing talent with Bosa and Ingram and Derwin James, Chris Harris, Casey Hayward. I think the one thing they were missing was a, a strong, hard linebacker in the middle of that defense, and I think they got it in Kenneth Murray. And a great, he was a captain and a great leader, and I think this is really going to solidify that defense and make some great things from them in the future. Yeah, I, I did like that, them uh, trading up there for him. I liked what the Chargers did on this draft. Not that I love Herbert, but all around, I like what they did. I'm going to go with uh, the other linebacker, uh, the other top linebacker, Patrick Queen. I did like Patrick Queen, one of the Ravens at 28. I liked him better than uh, Kenneth Murray. But at 28 for the Ravens, uh, I really, really love this for them. They had a, One of their only needs was that linebacker, and they filled it. Patrick Queen's going to come in day one, my favorite linebacker. Uh, he's going to be an all-pro. He could... He's a do-it-all linebacker. Uh, the Ravens, not many holes, and this guy's going to be a beast. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens just turn out great defensive players, and, and Ozzie Newsome and Eric DeCosta seem to just always pull through, and I don't know how, how they did this, but to get Patrick Queen, not not a not a steal, but still a little bit far, fell a little bit far to them, and I think it's just amazing that they were able to, to pull him off, pull this off, and I mean, Patrick Queen is just a great player. There's not much to say about him. 
if people did regard this as a steal, um, but I could I I could see him go, I saw him going there in the twenties. Um, but this is like a favorite pick, I'd say. I wouldn't call it a steal, really. Uh, what do you have for your next one? Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go with uh, AJ Epinesa. I think that really what they're trying to build they're trying to build something great in the defensive line. I think this fits their team perfectly. Um, and I think hopefully he he can just we said in the mock draft we'd love to see him just gain a few more pounds and kick inside to tackle because really we're, his strength is uh just overpowering offensive linemen and I think they're really building something great next at Oliver who really came on towards the end of last year and finished with uh, five sacks. Yeah, Tom Brady got out of that division real fast. The, uh, Buffalo is going to have a tough defense uh, in the coming years. Bright future for them. Yeah, um, that's so for sure. For our last uh, favorite pick, I'm going to go offense. Uh, Jerry Judy going 15 to the Broncos. This guy's my favorite wide receiver in the draft just from a skill level. But just to look at the Denver offense for a second, they're young and they're good. Drew Locke at quarterback, Melvin Gordon at Philip Lindsay, two running backs, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler, uh, the other receiver they drafted, in this, they drafted uh, in, in this year. And last year's first-round pick, Noah Fan at tight end. Um, you know, they see they see their uh, division foe, Kansas City, as one of the best offenses we've ever seen. So John Elway looks at that and he says, you know what, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to build offense on my own. I, he has a bunch of young guns here. This offense is going to, they're going to be a dangerous offense. Uh, we could face, he's got to face the fact, and they have a young D-line in two with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Um, Judy at 15, Denver pounce on them. I really love this pick. Yeah, I think I think for sure. Looking at Kansas City, John Elway thought I really got to get something going here on offense, and definitely a really bright future uh, ahead, especially with Drew Locke finishing the season last year the way he did. Um, AFC so, West, uh, West quietly turning into a really tough division in the coming years. I think. Yeah, yeah, a division that wasn't too great just a couple years back, definitely yeah. uh, getting better. So let's move on to our two most hated picks. So. A little bit different than reaches. It's not just about reaches. It's about just scheme fit. Um, why we certain traits that a player has that 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 we think doesn't really fit with the with the team he went to. So I want to start with Jalen Rieger. I think that what the Eagles did here was they basically just they took a guy who is plagued by what plagued them all of last year, and that's drops. And Jim, there's no doubting Jalen Rieger's skill, but I think that Justin Jefferson just falls into your lab. Um, the, probably the most one of the most reliable receivers in this draft, and and a, a chance to really get a great pick right there. And I think they blew it by going Rieger. I'm not saying he won't be good. I just think that Jefferson's going to be a lot better. But I agree with you, Rieger. I think he could be a, a formidable receiver. But there's other other receivers in the, on the board there for you that for you guys to take in Philly. Brandon Ayuk on the board. I was used to Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman. There's no need to go with a guy that has a second round grade. Uh, at 21, I did not like this pick for Philly, and you, as you as you mentioned, the drops it's going to be a problem. Um, so for my first uh, most hated pick, uh, most of you might want to show your years for this, but your Seattle Seahawks at 27 took Jordan Brooks. So I just don't understand why uh, they have Bobby Wagner, probably the best linebacker in football, and KJ right. Yeah, and if you're going to go linebacker. Just just take Patrick Queen. He's right there. Why, why put Jordan Brooks? It was a massive reach. There wasn't really a position need there. More 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 of a need in the O line and D line with Clowney uh probably not gonna stay here. He's still a free agent. There was just no need for this pick, in my opinion. I think you could speak to this 
more as a Seahawks fan. No, yeah, definitely I'm not happy with it. But I think just to justify a little bit, maybe why they will, if they're, once they're going linebacker, they might have gone Brooks over Queen might have been because he's a little bit um, a little bit more versatile. And I think that maybe they, they're thinking of lining him up at outside linebacker because really pass rush is really the biggest weakness. But, I mean, then then why wouldn't you just go Etorgo with Matos or AJ Evanetta at this spot? Right. Uh, so I, I don't I, I definitely hate the pick just as much as you do. Um I think but a pick a pick I definitely hate more would be uh Noah Igunagni. I think that Ooh. why like why would you go for, for a third corner when, when you're a team that the reason why you picked that at number five is because you're just not great. And they definitely sold holes in free agency in the draft, but I think that to go for a third corner in a spot where there's running backs available and you were I mean you were led by Ryan Fitzpatrick in run in rushing last year and there's running backs available, there's there's team needs available and to go for a, a third corner in the spot, I just really didn't like that move. Also you're you're another another thing, they already have Xavier Howard. This that guy's a Pro Bowl corner. Um you have other needs. I, I also did not understand that pick. I'm gonna go into the second round uh for my other pick that I hated. The, the Green Bay Packers took A.J. Dillon, a big 247-pound uh, running back. So what the, we've been, I've, I've been saying for years, free Aaron Jones. Uh, Jamal for Williams, sure, for was, sure. Jamal Williams was taking all of his shine, and Aaron Jones is obviously more talented. And when Williams started getting less touches at the end of the year, Jones came on, he was a beast. So And he was unleashed, right? And now you're going to bring in another running back in A.J. Dillon, and even if you're gonna bring he's a he's a bigger back, I guess they wanna maybe Williams pass catching back, Dylan more of a goal line, but Dylan is more like Aaron Jones. He's they're kind of the big back. You got get him the goal lines and run to the end zone. And then even worse about this pick, they have receiver needs. They have a they have a tight end need. Why are you going with a running back here? You gotta get Aaron Rodgers weapons in the first round, taking Jordan Love, which I mean, maybe we'll talk about it a little later but because we didn't have this is that was definitely a uh, hated pick by many people, but you need to get Rodgers weapons. You're getting him a running back. This is not what he needs. Yeah, definitely. I really just don't like this. I mean, Aaron Jones, 19 touchdowns last year. He he really blew up towards the end of the year, and I would just love to see him uh, finally just get more touches. But uh, obviously, the Packers feel a different way. Why that is, I have no idea. Um, so let's move on to our two favorite team all around draft. Overall draft. Yeah, overall draft. I'm sorry. So you want to start us off a little bit of a bigger segment here? Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go with my first, my favorite draft. Uh, this team only had two two picks in the first five rounds. Uh, they were both in the first round. So not, maybe not so much an overall draft, but I love what they did here. I love what the San Francisco 49ers. I love what they did with their two of their first round picks. I love how they John Lynch handled this draft, and I want to get into that here. So they traded DeForest Buckner and got a first-round pick back, boom, you replace it with Javon Kinlaw. Emmanuel Sanders leaves in free agency, boom, you bring in Brandon out. It's, it's literally just you have a need, and you fill it right there in the first round. Lynch was just so smart here. Just to break down Javon Kinlaw for a second, he's, he's a monster. This guy's a monster on the line, uh, along with Derek Brown, the top two interior linemen. And trading back one pick to, to get more picks later around, that was also a very savvy move. And the Brandon Ayuk pick at 24, um, it came out after the draft that Kyle Shanahan had Brandon Ayuk as 
their number one wide receiver in this draft over Henry Ruggs, over Jared Judy, over CeeDee Lamb. So getting him, at, getting him at 24, that's a massive win for them. And just a, a cool note that, that I found is that the leader in uh, tight end uh, yard after catch last year was George Kittle. The, the leader at yard after catch or receiver last year is Debo Samuel, both in the Niners, obviously. And now Brandon Ayuk, who the main strength of his game is yards after the catch. I think Jimmy may not be the most downfield, like vertical, uh, deep ball quarterback, as we saw at the end of the Super Bowl last year. Giving him guys that could get the get the ball, you know, in the middle of the field and make plays, I think it's very good for Garoppolo. I love a Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch did here. Yeah, I'm honestly not a lot of picks, but they definitely filled needs with the picks that they had. But just the the Javon Kinlaw, uh, DeForest Buckner uh, switch, I just I really don't like it. I think that you're gonna you're you're to me you're essentially you're wasting a you're wasting a first round pick because you gave. Eric Armstead, a five-year, $85 million contract with $48 million guaranteed. Right. And so my, why don't you just give the big money to Buckner? He's definitely a lot better than Armstead. And then you can trade Armstead or let Armstead walk in free agency. And then you use the first-round pick on maybe um, not not one of the top receivers because that's clearly they didn't love that and they got a Euclid But maybe on a different need or on a second corner that we saw that they, they really could have used. I just I really don't love what they did there. I think you're basically just wasting the 13th overall pick. But if, just I to mean, defend that. they I couldn't have executed that. the plan that they like better than they did. Um, maybe they they liked Armstead and they didn't want to pay Buckner. You're saving cap space. You're getting younger with Kinlaw. I I still I like what Kinlaw's doing there. And Kinlaw has a very high ceiling, and he could be a future. He could be better than DeForest Buckner going forward. I, I, I always can see, and I always like a team getting younger and saving cast space, which is another reason why I like what they did. But we can disagree. It's okay. No, I, I definitely um, I understand the getting younger part. I, just, I, I don't love that you give a contract to one guy who's just not the better one, and then you draft a, the replacement. All right, we're going to have to agree to disagree here. Yeah, um, yeah go for it. You go on. This is a perfect uh, uh, argument that just goes around in circles. So, um, I'm actually going to go with another team that didn't have a lot of picks, the Cardinals. But I absolutely love love what they did here. I know I'm I'm a Seahawks fan. I hate the NFC West, and I hate that it's getting so good. Just it seems that every opportunity every team has, they just get better and better. But um, I just I just love what they did here. You Isaiah Simmons falls falls to you, so maybe they were planning on taking a tackle, but you know plans change when when a guy of this caliber falls to you at eight. So they're going to take him here. And, and to pair him with Buda Baker and Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson, I think our defense is really um, could be scary this coming year. And I think that to get Josh Jones, we already spoke about that. And then Leek, I told you with the, with the, in the fourth round to fill a big need at defensive tackle. Um, and then as a side note, like in the seventh round, you pick up a running back in Eno Benjamin, who, who is really, really productive at Arizona State and, and can give you much-needed depth with uh, Chase Edmonds a uh, very injury-prone running back. And that Cardinals team, I think, is the most intriguing team to watch, make, make top best or second most intriguing team to watch this year. I, I'm really interested to see what they do there with that whole offense, bringing in Hopkins. And on the defensive side of the ball, Isaiah Simmons, he's going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, um, I feel like kind of like the Pelicans, like when they add all these new talent and young players, you just want to yeah, watch fun. them just to see how it turns out. 
Yeah, they're going to be very interesting. My second favorite draft here, uh, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I really liked what they did in this draft. Uh, I like the Vikings team as a whole. So adding the talent they did, I like. I'm going to break that down real quick. Uh, I love the the Justin Jefferson pick. Uh, as I said before, the Niners, uh, they they lose a player and they replace him. Uh, you know, you you trade away digs and get more picks, and you're going to replace him with Justin Jefferson. Uh, Cousins is Cousins loved that downfield speed, and I think Jefferson will come in here and fit. Uh, Gladney, uh, they Xavier Rhodes uh, on the decline. Jeff Gladney, a uh, f- uh, very good press corner. He's going to bring aggressiveness. You know that that Vikings D that they used to have with Rhodes, and I think he's he's going to come in there and be very very good for them. Their second round pick in Ezra Cleveland. He, um, he's an offensive tackle. They have a need at O line, and they're a big running team. They love to run the ball with Dalvin Cook, and he shot Ezra Cleveland shot up draft boards late. He's yeah, he's a very athletic uh, athletic tackle who could really help in the run game for, for a team like that. Right, yeah, and one, and one more pick I, I like to in round three, Cameron Dantzler. Dantzler. He's another uh, one of my favorite late-round flyers, and I thought that he would go earlier. And just to add, just to get another corner, uh, Trey Waynes hasn't been amazing, and to get a, another corner there, a second, second corner, I uh, think is very big for the Vikings. I like what they did here in a, com- in a competitive NFC North. Yeah, with those two corners that they drafted, plus uh, Anthony Harris on the back end, uh, definitely bright fu- brighter future in Minnesota. So uh, with my my this is my favorite draft. Um, I went with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that you go CD Lamb, so you you really forget about team need and you go with value, like what I what I was uh, telling you before the show with, the, with what I wanted the Falcons to do. Um, I just think that. That uh, what you do with CeeDee Lamb is you basically say, we're, we got three receivers, we're going to line them up all over the place, and I want you to come and try to stop us because you can't double any of them, and they're all great. And the days of stacking the box against Zeke are, are truly over. I mean, you, there's so much to worry about now on the back end that I just don't understand, like, like how teams are going to even, even start thinking about their run game, and, and Zeke's just going to feast, and I think that, that CeeDee Lamb really opens up this offense. And and I think they're just gonna come out and just outshoot everyone. Uh, and then in the second and third rounds, I love what they did. They filled big defensive needs. They they got Trayvon Diggs, uh, kind of a kind of a steal. Um, yeah, I love he that. Fell down boards a little bit. And uh, I think I think fills a big corner need. And then ne- Neville Gallimore, the huge Oklahoma big run stuffing defensive tackle, uh, fills a big need, and then I love that they got Tyler Biotish, uh in the fourth round, who basically just comes in and replaces Travis Frederick, who just retired. And I think you just you just take one O line, like you said, you you lose that and replace. And I think I I really love what the Cowboys did here. Hey, even uh, their sixth round pick, Bradley and A, uh, I also thought is a big steal. He's gonna be a good player, but I mean, I I I guess I hear people saying about the CD Lamb pick. It wasn't one of my favorite picks. I mean, you see talent, you take talent. And I could see Dallas liking that, but it wasn't like the receiver was their number one need. But still, all around, it was was a very good draft for them. Yeah, I think I think Jerry was just on his yacht, and he was just like, you know what, screw <laughs> it, let's let's get the best offense in the NFC, and and, and let's make people come and stop us. And in the end of the day, what definitely wasn't a need, and they have Gallup and Cooper, but I really think that this offense can now come out and just drop forty on anyone and. And I think it could be really effective. Um, so you want to start us off with the uh, the biggest fantasy impact? Yeah. Um, 
we're going to go on a fantasy here, maybe uh, more in the road, stepping away from the draft and going towards the NFL season. And we're going to go with uh, what we all love about football, one of the main things, fantasy football. And we'll go into our guys that you want to – when it comes draft, you know, it's a little in advance. We're going to go with a couple of guys that you want to keep your eye on. So I'll, I'll start us off with uh, Michael Pittman, uh, second-round pick going to the Colts. Uh, Philip Philip Rivers, you know, he likes getting a big receiver. He had that in Mike Williams last year, and he gets that in Pittman here. Um, putting him uh, alongside T.Y. Hilton, uh, to talk about that for a second, what the Colts tried to do last year, they signed Devin Funches to, you know, T.Y. the smaller guy and get Funches uh, more of a vertical threat. And Pittman to do what Funches didn't do last year, Funches got hurt. He's going to come in here, and he's going to be that guy that they need, and he has great hands. Um, I think this is a guy you could watch as maybe a late-round flyer. Yeah, definitely. A lot of times we see rookie uh, wide receivers and running backs fall, and then you pick them up and they end up being great for you. Um, so I just want to start with uh, maybe a little bit of a surprising choice. I'm going to go with Jedrick Wills, and the reason why I'm going to do this is because I think that all the problems the Browns had, besides for Freddie just being a very incompetent head coach, was that a lot of the most problems stemmed from the fact that Baker is constantly under pressure, and he fell into a lot of his his bad habits that he that he might have had in college, sometimes trying to do too much, trying to trying to be 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 the superstar of the team. And I think that with Wills just being there to just feel up the left side, you got Conklin on the right side. I think that everyone's about to have a, a a huge breakout here in fantasy on that team. And I could really see Baker, Odell, Chubb. I could see just really everyone on that team just benefiting. And and also, don't forget to add Austin Hooper, which is really going to spread out uh, that offense. I really think that Wills is the difference maker here. Uh, yeah, that's a good choice with Will going there. He could change a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Um, just to get away from, I know we're talking about fancy, but just Baker Mayfield, you have zero excuses this year to go out and win games. You have unlimited weapons. You have a great tackle now on the line that you were lacking. Two tackles, Conklin and Wills. Go out here and you, the Ravens probably in the division, make a wild card spot, Baker, and win 10-plus games. I think, um, I think no excuses needed. I say Baker wins yeah. MVP. Ooh, a hot take, hot take. Dude, um, you know Baker's my guy. I love the short, fiery guys. Yeah, you know you love the Browns. Um, my second guy, I'm going to go with uh, K.J. Hamler out to the Denver Broncos in round two. We talked about Judy before, so I'm going to go with, with his future teammate. Uh, Hamler in the slot, he's going to be very effective between Judy and Cortland Sutton and, and the young offense. In college, he was he was really amazing. I think not in the first Super League. I think he'll be a very good flex. He can get seven, eight points for you. He'll he'll get catches in in, in the slot. He can score touchdowns, give you points. You know, this is what you want. His fantasy is a flex guy on bye weeks. He's not gonna come out of here and he's not gonna be your week to week. Oh, I'm gonna trust KJ Hamler to get me 13, 15 points. But he can break out a big one. He's a return guy also. So you know, you have that upside. And I, I'm gonna be looking at this guy in late rounds. So I, I think I kind of agree with you here, but I'm going to go with Judy, and not for okay. Judy's own sake, but I think that he really opens up the game for Sun. I think Sun was was one of the most consistent wide receivers, but he never really had that, that – he was always like 10 to 20 points. He never really had that crazy game, and I think that's because teams just really zoned in on him, and I feel like Judy's going to give him that space, and, and maybe Hamler, Hamler's going to get those extra touches on like the, the end arounds and those kind of things, and I think that – the game really opens up for Sutton now, and and also Drew Locke. I could really see him being somebody that you can pick up, pick up for spot starts here and there, and really count on to get you some good points. 
Yeah, Denver Broncos offense uh, is going to be another fantasy offense to watch with the with the Browns. Um, I'm going to go with uh, I guess uh, stick with the theme with the young new young tandems. T Higgins uh, pairing you with Joe Burrow is might be my favorite uh, pairing in this draft. Burrow, his main strength is that accuracy to fit through small windows. I, I think that's really good how he does that. And T Higgins, this guy has the best hands in the draft. He's he could catch anything. And I think Burrow and Higgins, um, AJ Green, not sure what the story is with his uh, injury, but I think that's a really good pairing. And they're going to be down a lot. They're not going to be a good football team. They're going to be throwing a ton. So T. Higgins is definitely going to be a guy to look for. Yeah, I think great call with the game flow. They're definitely going to be throwing a lot. The defense is still not great. And, and even though the offense might be taking strides, um, definitely, definitely a, a, a duo to look out for, Burrow and Higgins. So with the last fantasy impact i'm actually gonna maybe surprise a lot of people here i'm gonna go with a defensive player i'm gonna go with anton winfield jr and the reason why i'm gonna do this mm. is because i think that the bucks had an amazing front seven last year uh best run d in the league yards yards per game wise and i think that you were just never able to trust them because because they didn't have the playmaking turnover uh guy in the back end and and really our secondary was terrible but I think that Antoine Winfield comes in here absolutely changes the secondary and I think finally the Bucks are a defense that you can rely on uh to go get you turnovers and and hold the other team to um, just a few yards is that that Bucks defense uh I targeted that the all year last year that secondary so getting Winfield uh it's, it's a big so it's a big need for Tampa uh, all right, um, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll do our top 10 2021 NFL prospect, top 10 big board. All right, uh, we're back. So just to give you guys a little bit of a basic preview of what we're doing here, we're going we're gonna to go through our top 10 big board. Um, this is a collective public's perspective top 10 big board, so we're not going to we're not going to give you our each 10 players. We basically collectively, we came up with the 10 best college football players for you guys to look out for. And we're going to give you a background. We're going to tell, we're going to tell you what each player's strengths are. And uh, this way, you know about the top 10 prospects to look out for in next year's draft. Uh, Richie, you want to start us off at number one? Uh, sure. Uh, this, this guy at one, uh, you probably, you probably know who he is. Even if you're uh, not following next year's prospects, Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback Clemson. This guy was a, National champion year one, maybe the national championship year two. Um, so people like me have not the best uh, thought in their mind of him because he had a tough championship game, but he's still he's still amazing. He could make any throw he wants to, and he's mobile too. It's not like he's one of those guys that stays in the pocket and you know has a big arm but can't get out. No, he he's mobile also. If he stays healthy, I mean the sky has a limit for this guy. He's, he has a modern-day quarterback build. He's tall and, and lean. He's got a great zip on the ball. And, I mean, it's, watching him next year as a junior continue to develop, I'm really excited to see what Dallas Manning and Clemson is going to do for him. And they still have a good receiver there in Justin Ross to develop. They're going to be really good next year, and he's going to be really good. And 2021, first overall pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think that, I think he's really just a do-it-all quarterback, and he – See, an uh, underrated part of his game is that he runs the, the read option, the RPO, exceptionally well. He's just really, really mobile. It's something that people don't really expect from a guy of his build. Uh, so, number two, um, so we're going to have uh, Pinay Sue. So, 
Sewell won the Outland Trophy as the world's best lineman as a sophomore. So that's tell you something with all the great uh, tackles that we just had going this draft. Sewell was better than all of them. Um, he's a consensus All-American. I mean, he's he's huge. He's like bigger than Beckton. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I think he's something like six six three thirty. No. Yeah, I was gonna say you you, you saw this year, Makai Beckton. Think of Makai Beckton, but he's bigger. Like he's actually yeah, and, he, and he just moves better. Like like he's he great, moves. really wow. really athletic. Uh, something Oregon loves to run a lot of screens. And just imagine you're a little cornerback and you see this huge guy just barreling at you, and there's just no way around it. He's a, he's a perfect lineman. Uh, never messes up in pass protection. I mean, just we've seen O line go go in the top three before, and I think that Sewell is definitely one of those people who can who can do who can be one of those players. Yeah, I mean, you said it. This was this this past year, 2020. It was a very heavy offensive line draft, and Sewell is better than all of them. Um, speaking of guys that had a strong receiver draft this year, but the top receiver prospect for next next year is also better than all of them. Jamar Chase, he was the best receiver in college last year. Um, but this year, you know, Joe Burrow went one, so there is none of him there. So I'm actually interested to see what he's going to do without Joe Burrow. But this guy has, has the speed, which is obviously showcased in the national championship game uh, against a first-round pick, A.J. Terrell. He took that man to school. But And somehow Jamar Chase, he's just he's always open. He, whenever he's throwing the ball, he's he's either open or he has a really big ability to make a play on the ball in the air. The ball could be in the air and he could adjust. He could contort his body and do all these crazy things. He's going to be in a star in the NFL and he's he's going to yeah, be definitely a, a the guy best you're receiver, going to watch. Definitely the best receiver in college football. And I mean, maybe the only guy in the world that my next person can't cover, and that's Patrick Sertan. Sertan was the best uh, player in uh, Alabama backfield that included second-round picks, Trayvon Diggs, and Xavier McKinney. I think that he, you saw teams really attack Diggs because of how good Patrick Sertan was. I mean, they refused to throw his way. When they did, it just didn't end well for them. And, I mean, I love to see him going back for this last year. I love to see him uh, get a little bit more involved in the run game and tackling. Uh, he's been a little hesitant to tackle, but I think that a corner that's this good at in, in coverage, I think – Almost every front off the NFL uh, will will try to look past his 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 husband to tackle, and just uh, I mean, just really the best cover cover corner in college football. It's not even a question about it. He also has a great ability to force fumbles. Uh, I'm, it's also a, a fact about. Yes, Vernon. yes, I noticed that. That's something that really you can't really teach. He he just. He's always getting his head on the ball, always punching it out. I don't know where he got that from. Yeah, little uh, little Patrick Tillman there, a little peanut punch. Uh, another quarterback here at number number five, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State. Uh, this guy, I I maybe just that they were his number one, and he's small, but I think he looks a lot like Kyler Murray. Uh, he, oh, that's a that great comparison. Yeah, I, I, I see it. I watch this guy play, and I see Kyler Murray. He excels out of the pocket. He has the ability to make plays with his feet. He reads pressure well, and he has wheels also. He can move, and he's he's a guy that – you think Kyler Murray, you think, you know, he can make a play, he can make a play down the field. He can make a play, you know, towards the middle. He can make a play rolling to his right, rolling to his left. That's what this guy, Justin Fields, could do. He he could do it all. And, you know, as a Michigan fan, uh, him at Ohio State in that game this past year, he killed us. He was insane. And this, this guy is going to be a good NFL quarterback. And I'm actually excited to see what he does. Not that I love him, but as a player, obviously, at Ohio State, but he's he's really good. And, 
He's really entertaining yeah. to watch, fun to watch. I mean, really just, what do you have, like 40 touchdowns, one interception, Heisman finally. Yeah, like, the great touchdown-to-interception ratio, too. Yeah, he's already he's already there, and that last year really helped him develop. And as a Penn State fan, um, and I'm sure the next guy also feels the same way, Micah Parsons, <laughs> we're really not happy when we see Justin Fields on a football field. So, so Michael Parsons, Penn State linebacker, he's really the leader of this defense. Um, he's he's just not he's not human, kind of like Isaiah Simmons. He's six three two forty five, um, and he runs a four, he ran a four four three at a high school, and I mean he's only faster now. Uh, Simmons ran a four three nine at the combine, so really really kind of the same. Uh, just like another from another planet, uh, he's athletic monster. I mean, he's always finding a way to be near the ball. Um, third in the Big Ten in tackles last year as a sophomore. I mean, tackle machine. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a machine. He's just all over the place, and really, just hopefully, he can get better, even better than he is already now, uh, in as a junior, and really a potential top five pick uh, going into next year's draft. Yeah, another thing that jumped out at me about him is it's really hard to get past him in the upper field. There, you can't. It's very hard to get past Mike Parsons. Um, at at number uh, seven on our list, I'm gonna go with uh. We have Gregory Russo here, uh, edge from Miami. He's the ultimate modern-day edge rusher. I, you know, his body is sort of like Clavon Chason from this past year. You know, he's long and long and athletic, and he he's got these also long arms. He and the ability to like trip up a quarterback on the run. You know, you talked about Fields before. Fields running to his right, rolling out of the pocket. Russo has got these long arms that he can stretch out and make a strip and and make a sack. He's got speed too around the edge. And he's he's a modern day. He's what teams want as an edge rusher in 2020. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Clowney, how he just never gives up on a play. He's always chasing the running yeah, back. Yeah, he's always, everywhere. Always chasing out of the pocket. Um, he was second in college football in sacks last year as a sophomore behind only Chase Young with 15 and a half sacks. So, I mean, he's really just a producer. And he's, 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 always, he's always near the ball, kind of like, like, like Parsons, like I was talking about. He just never gives up on the play. He's always chasing with those arms. Uh, really just a great player. Um, so at number eight, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Um, I think that Smith, in that amazing Alabama receiving quarter that we watched last year, Smith had the unquestioned best hands of the group. And, and I mean, that's that's saying something with Ruggs, Judy, and Jalen Waddle there. And I think he has amazing breakaway speed. He excels after the catch. Uh, and I think with, with Judy and Ruggs now in the NFL – a lot of those targets are going to fall on Smith's shoulders. And, I mean, he can really give you great production. It's, and if you want to see everyone listening, if you want to see the kind of uh, production that Devontae Smith can give you, look at that week five uh, tape against Ole Miss. The, the guy went absolutely nuts with, like, I think Ruggs was, like, in and out of the game uh, with an injury. And, and he went absolutely nuts, like, for five touchdowns and, like, all-time Alabama receiving yards or something like that. Like, my guy went off. Uh, not to compare him to OBJ, although Beckham, but, you know, as a Giants fan, watching OBJ take these short, like, 15-yard slants, take him to the house. Demonte Smith, he has this speed that he could catch a ball on the slant and he could just turn it on in open space. I, I see glimpses of OBJ there. He doesn't really have the body or, or the downfield type of thing. But in... in in open space, in the middle of the field, boom! He he just has this the speed to be gone, and it's, it's really fun to watch. Yeah, at number nine, speed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out a, 
Yeah, number nine, I have uh, Walker Little. This guy also, as you said before, Zul, uh, this guy is 6'7", 3'10". He's massive and he's a beast, but he can move also. He was a first-team all-pack as a sophomore, and he's a bright future. Another thing for him that he's going for him is he plays left tackle, and that's what a lot of teams like uh, in the draft. And he also has this ability to get to the second level, which you could see uh, in his game. And he's behind Sewell, he is the best prospect to get, best uh, O-line prospect to get next year. Yeah, I think he was a first-round prospect last year, but then he got hurt and decided to come back. Um, so number 10, to round out the, the big board, I'm going to go with Travis Etienne. And just one thing that I wanted to say is before Etienne went back to – decided to go back to Clemson, um, I had him as as the only running back in, in this year's class to go in the first round. And I think that going back, he's only going to get better. He has this amazing, that like, vision – where he, once he sees that hole, he just bursts right through. Uh, he ran a 4.38 as a freshman, um, which is really fast, and he's just really tough to bring down, and he also excels in pass protection, which is something that was a knock on him early on uh, in his Clemson career. Uh, I think in the preseason, he's a clear choice for RB1, and uh, even though we talk about how running backs' values are really starting to drop, um, I think that, that he – 100% from a talent perspective, Etienne deserves a spot on our top 10 big board. Uh, so that's Wait, our show. One second. One second, Moses. Don't call me out of fear. Uh, just to speak about Etienne one more for a second. This guy, as you said, he's been here, been at Clemson for four years. I've had his eye on him since a freshman. He's He's been in uh, He's been in, in their game plan. He's he also the ability on screens, too. He could turn it on, as you said, and he has that breakaway speed. Well, yeah, finish it up, Moshe. Okay, so just coming off just to tell us that you found him first. Okay, well, I'm going <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's our show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, good to finally be up on, on, a, on a listening platform, Spotify. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoy. Take care and stay safe.